And we are so blessed to be able to come together this morning to worship our Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. Thank you for those who may be guests with us here today. Please come back. We'll be back here tonight at 5 o'clock. We're going to gather together again as a family. And uh, we hope and pray that you bring your Bible and that you study along with us. If you have your Bible now, open it up, please, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin our discussion there in just a moment in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. And we'll dive into uh, our thoughts here in just a moment. Well, as the people of God, as Christians, we are called to grow. Uh, we're not going to read it, but in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, Peter reminded the saints that they were to grow in the grace and knowledge of of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we are to uh, excel still more as the people of God. We are to become more like our Father in heaven and like his Son, Jesus. And our theme, as you see here, uh, somebody's playing a joke on me with the slides. It keeps going back and forth. I can just leave it there. Our theme is uh, becoming more like Christ. And we've been talking about this now for, for six months. And isn't it amazing that half the year is already gone? Uh, We're already in the month of June. And so in Galatians chapter 5, we've been looking at some of these different uh, fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Let's just read Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And so we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and these different virtues that we should be having in our lives. Last month, you remember what we talked about last month? Please say yes. We talked about the kindness, right, being kind. We talked about the kindness of God. This month, we're going to be talking about goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, someone may be thinking, wait a second, I came here to hear a lesson on doing good, on being good. Come on, we all know that we are to do good, right? We all know that we're supposed to do the right thing, the thing that God would have us to do in our lives. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. We all know what we should do, yet at times it can be difficult to do those very things. We all know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, that the fruit of the Spirit is peace and patience and kindness, yet we can often struggle with those very things. And so while we may know a lot of things that the Bible has to say, we also have to make sure that we put those things into action. It is often the case that sometimes we can struggle and struggle with this idea of doing good. I remember a couple of years ago, I was, in, I was at the Stonegate Congregation in uh, Nederland, Texas, and uh, Ralph Walker was doing a lesson there. And he did a lesson. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it convicted me. The Word of God convicted me. It hit me right, right in the face. I felt good going into the building. I left fel- feeling terrible. And he was talking, I believe, about doing the right thing, about being good. And it caused me to go back and to think about a conversation that I had with my wife, Nikki, earlier. I didn't use any profane language or anything like that, but I did not talk to her in the appropriate way. I was not good in my conversation and how I handled myself in that communication with my wife. And I had to go back after I heard that sermon and realizing, you know what, I need to go back and apologize to my wife because I didn't treat her the proper way. You see, we can know certain things from the word of God, but then what do we have to do with it? We have to actually put it into action. And so I know to do good. I know how to talk to my wife, or at least I think I know that. I think all of you know how to talk to your spouse and things like that. And at times we need to be reminded. 
that God wants us to do good. He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. And I want you to look over in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is going to be kind of our, our launching place. And I want you to look at some words of Jesus. You guys have already seen the slide, so I'm not going to try to have any more suspense. The title of this lesson is called Do Good. And I want you to think about this, this, these words that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 6. They're very easy to understand. They're easy to understand. At least I think they are. Yet at times, they can be very challenging to put into practice. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Jesus is saying, big deal. Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good. You see where I got my title from? Three times he says, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he himself is called, is kind rather, to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Pretty easy to read. But when we start to put it into action, and we start to think about different scenarios, situations, relationships, it can become a lot more difficult. I want to talk about this concept of doing good. The fruit of the Spirit is good. As we talk about this idea of goodness and and striving to live a good life and to live a life that is pleasing in the eyes of God, we got to make sure that we go back to the standard. The standard, as we think about this idea of goodness, is that the standard is always going to be God. We just heard that singing one of those songs, how God is good. And what we find in the Word of God is that from the beginning, we see that God is good, and He is always going to be the standard of goodness. In an absolute sense, only God is good. When He created all things in Genesis chapter 1, And you read all of Genesis chapter 1, everything that he did, it was good. I want you to turn back to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34, the psalmist often spoke about the goodness of God. In Psalm 34, and look at verse number 8 here. Psalm 34 and verse number 8, the psalmist said this in Psalm 34 and verse number 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do not lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in any want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man that who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The psalmist spoke about the goodness of God and the provisions of God and, and who God is and what he has done 
for his people. You look at Psalm 100. We just sang this. Look over in Psalm 100 and listen to what the psalmist said here. Psalm 100, and we'll just read all of it. It's only five verses. Psalm 100, verse number one. The Bible says, or the psalmist says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. That should get us motivated to sing and to shout out our, our praises to God as we come together and sing on the first day of the week. Because our God, he is good. Not just some of the time, but all the time, God is good. When I was in Rockford, Illinois, my preacher would begin his sermon like that every time he got into the pulpit. God is good, not just some of the time, but all the time, God is good. If you ever hear me say that, that's where I got it from. And it's a simple statement, but isn't it so true that the God that we serve, he is good. There's never been a day, think about this, there's never been a day when God has not been good. There's never been anything that he has done that has never been good. James reminded us in James 1 and verse 17 that every good and perfect gift is from God. So this statement, God is good all the time, it's a simple statement, but a powerful concept when we really think about it. God is a standard of goodness, which means that he doesn't have to look up or look around to another standard and try to figure out what is good. He is good. Everything he does, he is good. Everything that comes from him is good because God is good. There is no standard above him. God never makes mistakes when it comes to what he does. Everything he does is good. His word is good, right, and perfect. And we were reminded of that last week from Psalm 119. So everything God tells us in his word is good. And the same is true with respect to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I want you to turn over in Luke chapter 18 and look at verse number 19. As we think about becoming more like Christ, we need to have the same view as we do of the Father, that Jesus is good, that Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never made a mistake. Everything he, he did was good, was perfect, was right. In Luke 18, however, in verse 19, sometimes people have a misunderstanding. When Jesus was talking to a ruler in verse 18, the ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I don't believe Jesus was saying that he was not good. I think he was wanting that man to understand who he was actually talking to, that he was talking to God in the flesh, that indeed that he is God, and he needed to understand exactly who he was talking to at that time. It was Peter in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38 that made this statement about Jesus, how he went about doing good. Remember at the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, as Peter was talking about Jesus, he said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about Listen to this. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus, just like the Father, is good. Everything he did was good and is good. And Jesus went about doing good. The Father and the Son, therefore, are the standard that we are to strive to follow and to emulate. Now, again, only in the absolute sense the Father and the Son are good. And yet, when you go back to Luke chapter 6, go back to Luke chapter 6, what is the call? What is the goal that Jesus wants us to do or to be? The call to action is Jesus says that you do good, that you do good in every situation. And so we understand that we're not saying that we're going to be perfect or that we're like deity. Obviously, we're not. But this call for us is that we are to do good. 
that we are to strive to live good, godly lives. That's what Jesus wanted us to know. Let's go back to that text here in Luke chapter 6. When you go back and look at verses 27 through 35, what Jesus is saying here is powerful because it was going against what so many people had a misunderstanding about during that time. Some had been told that they were to love their neighbors and yet hate their enemies. Yet Jesus is going to teach them, no, you do good to all men. In fact, that's what the law taught in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. That's exactly what the law taught, that they, people were to treat everyone the proper way. Leviticus 19 verse 18, the law said, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus wanted them to see, listen, you do good to everyone, not just those who are good to you, who are taking care of you, but you do good to those who even may be your enemies. The Pharisees had misapplied the law. The law also taught that there's a proper way to respond to someone when another person may have wronged you. In Deuteronomy 19, verses 15 through 21, we get the details about how individuals were to respond and how matters were to be dealt with when someone wronged another person. And yet many had misapplied the teaching of God. And so when Jesus here in Luke chapter 6, in verses 27 through 35, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This is going to get everybody's attention. Because there were some things that had been misapplied during that time. And so Jesus wanted them to see in every situation, that is the call to action. If you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, you must do good. But apparently the self-centeredness nature of the Pharisees and their pride had gotten in the way of what God desired. But Jesus says you do good. And do you see the motivation as to why they were to do good? Look at verse number 35. Love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. See, Jesus is trying to get them to see, this is why you are to do good. This is the motivation behind it, because our Father in heaven, he is good. And therefore, we are to be just like him. We are to follow in his footsteps. He is the one that should be leading us in our lives. It wasn't just Jesus that talked about being good. I want you to notice in 1 Peter chapter 3. And the book of 1 Peter is really powerful, thinking about this idea, really the last two months of kindness and goodness. In the book of 1 Peter, the saints were suffering. They were scattered. They were enduring persecution. What Peter does, Peter is going to cover a variety of relationships. He's going to talk about the relationships with one another. He's going to talk about the relationships with respect to government. He's going to talk about the home, husbands and wives, and how they are to treat one another. And I want you to hear what Peter said. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse number 8. Let's read a little bit. Peter said, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, But given a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Where is Peter quoting from? Pop quiz. Did you pick up on it? 
That's Psalm 34. We just read that a few minutes ago. You see what he's doing? He's quoting from Psalm 34. He says, you must turn away, verse 11, from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. He's encouraging them in every situation you do good. There's a great benefit of doing good. You can have a good life when you live this way. Verse 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. You see what Peter is telling the saints? Do good. Live righteously. Interact with people in the proper way. Even when they mistreat you. Even when they speak evil against you. Even when they lie about you. Their response. They were to do good. Folks, that's the call. That's our, that's our mission. That's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus says. You do good in every situation. Are we all on the same page with that? We can go home right now. No, we can't. All right. So we got to think about something else. We, got, we all understand that. That's not rocket science. Do good. But sometimes there's a problem. There's some challenges. Would you agree with that? It's, it's hard sometimes doing the right thing. And I think there's some challenges that can get in the way of us doing good, striving to, to live a good life, a, a righteous life, a, way that, a life that's going to be pleasing in the eyes of God. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts. I think sometimes it's a challenge to do good in tough situations. That's going back to what Jesus said. Listen, what credit is it to you if you're always good to the individuals who are good right back to you? Congratulations, you're just like the sinners. They do the same thing. But what about when the situation becomes more difficult? What about when things are not going the way that you want them to go and those situations become challenging? Well, that's First Peter. The saints are being persecuted. Persecuted. Speak, spoken evil against. And yet Peter is saying, listen, you do good so that they will have nothing to say about you even though they're trying to find something on you. But it's hard sometimes to do good in tough situations. I think another challenge for us sometimes to do good is overcoming a me-first mentality. It's all about me and my feelings. You hurt my feelings. And when you hurt my feelings, it's on. Because nobody's going to talk to me like that. Nobody's going to treat me like that. Ever feel that way? It's all about me and my feelings and my rights and what I think the way you should treat me. We live in a me-first mentality or in a me-first world where it's so easy just to focus on, focus on ourselves. And at the first, the first moment when someone wrongs us, that's it. I'm done. We're, we're, we're through. Yet Jesus says, no, you do good. You respond differently even when others may not be treating you the proper way. But I think the challenge, and I can only speak for myself, but I think at times for others, the challenge is it's about me, my feelings. It's not right how they treat me. And yet God says, no, you need to do good. What about this? I think another challenge is 
when it comes to doing good, uh, it means this. We've got to leave vengeance in God's hands. You know, we all like, or a lot of us like the Avenger movies, right? We want to avenge. We want to get even and all things like that. But God says, no, vengeance belongs to me. And that is hard sometimes. When someone wrongs you, they hurt you, they say something that hits you to the core, the one that is close to you, that knows better, that you have allowed to uh, you have allowed them to be a part of your life, and they know things about you that others may not, and they still hurt you. It can be very easy to say, I want to take matters into my own hands. I want to get them back. And yet God says, no, vengeance belongs to me. Uh, this forces us to go against our typical nature. Uh, if you hurt me, then I'm going to hurt you back. And it's much easier sometimes maybe to retaliate in some shape or form than to wait on the Lord and allow God to do things in his own time. Yeah, that's what we're called to do. This is a challenge, though. Jesus wants us to go against what most people will do. He wants us to be like the Father. You do good because our Father in heaven, he's kind to the unjust. He's kind to the wicked, the evil. He's merciful. We are to be the same. I think one of the best examples outside of Jesus, of of an individual who was good, think about Jesus, he was, he was good even when he was on the cross even when, when they were killing him, he still did not return evil with evil. But I think of another man in the Old Testament. I want you to turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 24 real quickly here. I think about King David. I think about King David and this idea of, of doing good in some of the most challenging situations. If you're familiar with King David, King David would become the second king of Israel. King Saul was the first king of Israel. King Saul was going to have the kingdom stripped, stripped from him. God had anointed David to become king. They had this relationship, Saul and David did. David was a great friend to Saul's son, Jonathan. And Saul recognized that David was going to be the one that was going to replace him one day on the throne. He didn't like that. You remember the attitude that Saul had towards David? He was bitter. He was jealous. He was angry. And he did as much as he could to destroy King David. He went after his life. He tried to ruin his life. He said, listen, I'm going to offer you my daughter to be married. And then at the last moment, he changed and said, no, you can, you can marry this woman here. He went after David time and time again. And what really impressed me was the mindset of King David. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse number 4, and I'm reading this because I want you to see that while it's challenging for us to do good, it is possible for us to do good. We see this with King David. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 24 and verse 4, The men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. So they had an opportunity. David had an opportunity to kill King Saul. This was his moment. This was his moment to get even. This was his moment to get revenge, to settle everything. Watch what happened. Verse 4, then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. He didn't stab him. He didn't try to kill him. He just cut off a piece of his robe. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. 
David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. Can you believe that? His men, they were mighty men. Let's take care of this guy here now. Let's just take care of him so we can go back home and you can start ruling. David said, no, we're not going to do that. And so the Bible says in verse 7, And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men, saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Saul, why are you listening to these individuals, saying that I'm trying to hurt you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord had given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you. Isn't that powerful? You've been trying to kill me, and I had an opportunity to finish you. But he said, I'm not going to do that because vengeance does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord because I'm trying to do the right thing. He said, I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. Isn't that powerful? David said, I could have done something bad, but he chose to do good. That's what we have to get to if we're not already there. And yet that's hard because we have these things in the way. So what do we do? Well, the call to being good, to do good, applies in every aspect of our lives. If we are listening to the Holy Spirit, and we hear from the Holy Spirit through his words right here. If we are listening to his words and are allowing these words to, uh, to lead us in our lives, and then the fruit of the spirit of goodness is going to be evident. And it's not just going to be evident to those who are good to us, but it's going to be evident to everyone around us. It's going to have an impact. It's going to influence every relationship and situation in our lives. But how do we do it? When you go back to Luke chapter 6, let me just give you a couple of thoughts here, and we'll begin to wrap this up. In Luke chapter 6, I want you to remember the first thing that we do, the first thing that we need to remember is that when it comes to doing good, it's all about God. It's, all, it's not about us. With this me first mentality has to be put aside. Our egos have to go. It's all about the Lord. See, Jesus reminded the people, the audience, and he's reminding us that you need to do good because you will be sons of the Most High. The emphasis has always been upon God and not us. Secondly, we need to remember how has God treated you and how has he treated me? He's been good to me. Has he been good to you? I know he's been good to you. I know he's been good to me. And so the same way that God has treated us should be the same way that we strive to treat other individuals. And that's exactly what Jesus said. The third thing we need to think about is, how do you want people to treat you? It's one thing to say, well, listen, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to treat them right because of this, this, and this. But what if you were that person? How would you want individuals to treat you? That's what he says in the text. He reminded them, he said, look, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Verse 31, here it is. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. So how do we go about doing good and striving to live a life that's going to be pleasing to God and treating people the proper way? 
Well, we got to remember that it's all about God. This is who he wants us to be. And the more we are in his word, the more we are allowing the word of God to hide in our hearts, the more we are listening to the words of the Holy Spirit, the more we are allowing our minds to be renewed on a daily basis, the more we're going to strive and, and to have this kind of life. But it begins by truly understanding what this is about. It's not, it's not about me. It's about our king. It's about giving glory to him so others can see, indeed, that we are his children. So what is this going to look like in the real world? Let me, give you, let me give you like six or eight examples of what this is going to actually look like in the real world of doing good. Now, it may be tough, and some of us may have more challenging situations in certain places than others. But let me give you some real-world applications. Number one, we need to do good when we leave this building and get on the highway in our cars. Sometimes we can lose everything in a matter of a few minutes when we get on that highway, right? When someone cuts you off, that impulse or that reaction may not always be a good reaction. So you need to pause, you need to wait, and you need to do good. Even if someone does something bad to you while you're driving down Interstate 35, do good in the car. When you go to the restaurant and that waiter is not <laughs> treating you the right way or getting your food the way that you want it, you got two options. You can be really mean and rude and things like that, or you can do good. There's a way to do good. You don't have to allow people to run over you and to treat you badly. You can help them to see, listen, there's a problem here, but there's a way to treat people the right way. Let me tell you why this is so important. If you're rude to that waiter and ugly to that individual and you leave a card that says West Main Church of Christ, oh boy. You think they're going to come and visit? You see, we need to make sure that we're shining our lights. Even if they're not taking good care of us, we still need to strive to do good. When you're driving, do good. When you go to the restaurant, do good. When you're on Facebook, oh boy, do good. You don't have to respond to everybody's post. In fact, sometimes there's wisdom to pause or to wait before you decide to lash out at someone. What is the weirdest thing to me is how people can how Christians can get in arguments on social media and then come together on the first day of the week and pretend like nothing has happened. Do people think that other people do not see what we write or how we talk to one another? You see, even in the social media realm, we need to do good. What about when we go to work? We need to go out of our way to be different. People steal and cheat at work. People gossip. People don't care about the success of others. We need to strive to do good at our jobs and to be different to shine our lights, which means that we're not going to cheat. We're not going to steal. We're going to be honest with the work that we're doing and the hours that we're putting in. Do good even at work. What about in the sports arena? We laugh at those parents that we see on YouTube or on TV who have lost their minds because of a sporting or because of a game or because their son or their daughter is not getting enough playing time. Parents need to do good in the, in the, sport, in the sports arena, and so do children. Don't lose your mind. Treat people the right way. You can play competitive and things like that, but treat people the right way. Now, somebody may be saying, oh, that's all easy stuff. Okay, what about this? What about your relationships? What about our relationships? Have you been treating your brother and sister in Christ good? Have you been holding a grudge against someone? Have you allowed your heart to become bitter the way that King Saul became bitter? Well, God says, do good. What is that going to look like? There has to be some type of reconciliation, forgiveness, mercy. You see, this is where it gets hard. Yeah, driving home is easy. Actually, that is kind of hard. But different situations can be really easy. But what about when we're here? It is a shame how Christians 
can hold grudges for such a long period of time. And you think everything is just okay. We have to conquer these difficult relationships and challenges and do good. What about our spouse? Do good to the one that you married. It's a shame that Christian husbands and wives cuss at one another. And yet, I know it to be true. I've heard stories about it. It's a shame that husbands will hit their wives physically. Don't ever do that, men. Don't ever do that. It's a shame that, okay, we may not use profane language or be physically abusive, but we belittle our spouse. We talk down to them. Is that how you want them to treat you? Do good. This is what it means. It doesn't matter what relationship it may be. Young people, you do good. Do good to your parents. Treat them the right way. Honor them. Love them. Respect them. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. We need to strive to do good. Listen, we do not stoop to the world's standards. Romans chapter 12, verse number 17. Romans chapter 12, verse number 17. Listen to this. Romans 12 and verse number 17. Paul reminded the saints, he said this. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's our goal. That's this idea of doing good. In every aspect of our lives, we need to strive to do good. And if we haven't been doing good, then we need to fix it. We need to change our hearts. And we need to allow God as our motivation to become to be more like him and to be merciful to those that maybe we have not been merciful to. That's the call. We have some challenges, but with God, we can do this. We can go out and live the good, godly lives that our Savior wants us to live. You remember Romans chapter 5? While we were still sinners, God sent his son for us. He did good toward us. He was merciful. So therefore, let's be good like him. Be kind to all men. And when we do, we'll be like our Father in heaven. We'll be like our Savior, Jesus Christ. God is good. His goodness is everlasting. And if you are not saved, there's still good news for you. That you can be redeemed, rescued, reconciled to your Father in heaven. Because he has allowed you another day of life and another opportunity to become right with him. We want to help you to be right with him. We want to help you to obey the good news of Jesus. The fact that you are lost in your sins, but you can be saved through Jesus Christ. If you're willing to believe he's the son of God. If you're willing to be baptized into him. If that's you, we encourage you to come right now as we stand and as we sing.